Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Good afternoon, care heroes. With me today is Lisa Marie Churko. She is a caregiving coach and an intuitive life and grief coach. And she's got a couple different things we're going to talk about today, but the most important one, or maybe not the most important one, but the the focus is on her Alzheimer's caregiver cruise that she launched this year. So thanks for being with us, Lisa. Thanks so much, Jennifer. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on this afternoon. You're welcome. So first, tell me, I know from our previous conversation that your dad had Alzheimer's. Yes. I figured is that you must have a connection similar to that, or else why would you do an Alzheimer's cruise? So why don't you tell us about your history and your dad, and then we'll get into how you got into all the great things that you're working on now. Sure, I'd be glad to. Yes, um, my family, like so many others around the world, um, experienced dementia, and um, I lost my dad to Alzheimer's disease. In the last five years of his journey, um, I was his caregiver, and um, I, I left the corporate world, again, like like so many have to do, and um, I wanted to assist my family with his care. Sadly, in um, that last part of his journey, he needed long-term care. And uh, it was complicated because the disease had really progressed and he needed skilled nursing, needed help with a lot of things. So, you know, we all took turns at the nursing home and uh, his care, again, because of his, his special needs, was complicated. And after he passed away, I... In my heart, I felt that I wanted to, instead of going back into the corporate world, to to give back and to help other caregivers who were experiencing what I did, those who had a loved one with dementia. So that is how my nursing home navigator coaching was born. And you said your dad had like special needs with the Alzheimer's. Is that different than what generally goes on with people living with Alzheimer's? Uh, no. I mean, you know, everybody, as we know, is is going to experience any kind of disease just a little differently. But no, I mean, my dad had went through all the things that other families do, the the stage of the wandering. Um, And then, you know, at the last part of his journey, the last five years, um, unfortunately, he could no longer walk. So he was in a wheelchair and he had lost his speech. And um, also with food, uh, his, his food needed to be pureed and, um, you know, his, his drinks also had to be thickened. So you can just imagine that, um, you know, in, in a long-term care setting, there would be a lot of challenges that came up. I mean, my family was blessed. There was a great group of nurses and CNAs and um, other people um, on the nursing home staff that assisted, but, you know, there were challenges. So, um, you know, uh, I feel that it, it was a great blessing in my life to to assist my family and, and be there for my dad. But um, again, I was just very moved after he passed away. I knew that I wanted to, to help other caregivers. Well, that sounds somewhat familiar. <laughs> Mom is still with me, but I want, I started the podcast because we've been on this journey a very long time, mm-hmm. too long. And I thought, well, let me, I was looking for a podcast that would speak to the issues that I was facing. And there were more of them have crept up in the last year. But when I started a year and a half ago, there was basically one other one and it didn't speak to me. It wasn't my style. 
And I thought, well, I have a lot of information to share. And that's what I thought I would do. And it quickly pivoted away from sharing the knowledge that I had already acquired to sharing as much as I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like every month there's a new challenge with mom. So between the support group and all the guests I talk to, I've amassed a great amount of knowledge and I try to share it, give it back because knowledge is power, especially with Alzheimer's. It certainly is. And, and I love what you said. And it just reminded me of a good friend of mine, um, some, some wisdom that she's shared. And this is really my mantra too. When you give to people what you wish you had had in, in the most difficult times of your life, you help to not just heal yourself, but to heal others. So it sounds like you're certainly doing that. And, and yeah, I, I had wished that, you know, our family had this coach with us. And, and that person wasn't there. So I'm hoping to be that now. So, so yeah. And that's how we just make the, the, every, the world a better place. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, as some listeners might know, cause I do mention it occasionally, my husband and I are Rotarians. My dad was a Rotarian and so was his dad. So we're third generation wow. and a Rotarian, the Rotarian motto is service above self. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what we do. It's, you know, we, give back as much as we can. And I really have gained a lot from listening to, or listening from producing my own podcast. I do listen to it also because I have to, to make sure it sounds good before everybody else does. So you had an inaugural cruise this year for Alzheimer's caregivers and their loved ones who are in the earlier stages. Yeah, so um, tell me how that came about. Like, that's not the first idea I would have is putting on a cruise. <laughs> well, um, going back to my uh, corporate background, um, after I graduated from college, I'm a marketing communications professional, and I've worked in pretty much all the areas, nonprofit world, corporate, uh, ad agencies. And I did take a little left turn during a point in my career, and I was a conference producer in the financial services sector. And... Um, that just became a skill set that I acquired. And it was at one point I was, you know, doing them in very quick succession. So I had to put together a diverse group of individuals into a three day conference. And I grew to really love the idea of putting a big jigsaw puzzle together. So I, I enjoy bringing like-minded people together so if you threw a, you know, a hundred piece puzzle on the floor, I would raise my hand and say, hey, I want to put that together. So that skill set, you know, led me into to doing this. And another thing, too, through my my work um, as I became an intuitive coach, I'm a grief, as you said, and a life intuitive coach, really the concept of mindfulness that we hear more and more and more about and living in the present moment, you know, um, Alzheimer's disease, any type of dementia, um, it's, there's a lot of fear attached to it because, uh, it's not like any of the other diseases. We don't have a cure yet. So wouldn't it be wonderful to give families this beautiful gift of getting out on the water and enjoying with their loved one, not just the beauty of this amazing thing that is a cruise and enjoying the beach and the ocean and mother nature, but to give them that educational component. And again, um, you know, so bringing those two things together produces magic. And, and that's really what we did. And I know Marianne Shuko from Els Authors. She's uh, one of the co-founders. 
she was she was my speaker and she she was your guest recently. She came and spoke about it. It was really magical. And at the end of the week, it was a seven day cruise. We ended up being like family. And um, those are precious moments. And and we made new memories. So I, I know it's something that I want to continue to do again and again. And then where did you guys cruise to? I don't think Marianne told us that. If she did, I'm not remembering. <laughs> it was the Caribbean. Okay. Maybe she did tell me that and I just That's okay. don't remember because she, she rattled off so much stuff that you guys did. I was super impressed. That's why I was excited that I could get you to come on and talk about more your background and how, how it all came about mm -hmm. because, you know, like I said, this is not something I would think of doing, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it definitely sounded like a great time. And I'm assuming the participants probably are going to stay in touch with each other as they oh, all progress in their journey. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, we, we've created a family and, you know, and that just, it goes on and on and on and yeah, we'll continue to stay connected. And, um, I had a wonderful speaker faculty that I put together and for my next cruise in 2020, I have um, another great group that I've assembled. People will be able to go to the website and learn more about that and register for the next cruise, which will also sail on Holland America line to the Caribbean. But, um, yeah, that, that educational comp component, like you said, knowledge is power. And, um, you know, you just that wonderful combination of things. Safety is very big too. Mm -hmm. on a cruise. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that for a moment because, um, my cruises are exclusively for people who are living in the earlier stages of any different type of dementia, whether it's, uh, you know, Lewy body, Alzheimer's, etc. So, um, yeah. And no one, uh, is going to be attending unaccompanied. Everyone would need to come with a care partner, a loved one, a spouse, a family member. And then we, we partnered with, I think Marianne spoke about it briefly, Project Lifesaver International, mm -hmm. which is a wonderful organization that has an amazing track record. They have saved over 3,000 lives since, uh, since their inception. They're in uh, every state of the United States. They're in Canada and Australia. And uh, we did a beta test on board. And uh, it, it, everything worked out wonderfully. And so this is something they're going to be joining us again for our cruise in 2020. It's, it's a bracelet with a transmitter. So for those families who are interested in having that for their loved one, it adds another layer of safety. Because, of course, you're wondering on a huge cruise ship, there's going to be those concerns, you know, um, because it's mm -hmm. part, it is part of the disease. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm very proud to, to partner with them and uh, to have them join us and discuss their program. Well, I'm going to make sure that their um, website is linked in the show notes. It's projectlifesaver.org, yes. but you'll be able, they'll be able to click through on the show notes, everybody. I do recall Marianne telling me, I forgot which participant it was, but he went to like the far corner of the ship and they found him in like 30 minutes. Yes, that was our keynote speaker, Jeff Borgoff. So, oh, yes. Yes, and he did. It was actually 28 minutes. <laughs> yep, under 30 minutes. Yes, so it's, uh, it's an amazing um, life-saving product that gives families peace of mind. It's, uh, again, as I said, it's used extensively 
and counties and cities across the U.S., Canada, and Australia. And it's also for families who have children who are autistic, um, who are prone to wandering. So it's wonderful to, to have that in place and to give families that extra peace of mind. But talking about just building community, too, um, you know, that the isolation, and I know that you, you understand this and that our, your listeners do, too. The caregiver feels isolation. And, and so does the person who is living with the disease. And, you know, my cruises are a place to end that, to, you know, having, and, and I know Marianne chatted about this as well, how we just loved getting together for dinners at night. And then when we got off the ship and we were on these beautiful beaches in the Caribbean, you know, that, that's very special. Very yeah. It's, I know a lot of people that cruise regularly, just regular traveling cruises and they almost have like people that are all, they end up on the same like circuit of cruises Mm -hmm. and they see each other and they've built friendships up on just, you know, your general vacation type cruises. So I can see that being really special. I've only been on one cruise Mm -hmm. and it was with some Rotarian friends and it was, it was very fun. So I can, I can, I can see the benefit for somebody, especially in the early stages, there's a lot of fear and confusion and the caregivers like, Oh my God, what's this going to be like? How long is this going to last? The 5,000 questions that go through your head. Right. You know, and they're all there about the same stage. So they can kind of prop each other up emotionally, which is, is definitely needed. And the more, my theory is cause I attend a support group mm-hmm. and I talk to all you wonderful guests mm-hmm. The more, the more people that you surround yourself with that are familiar with what's going on, the better. Absolutely. And definitely doing it on a cruise would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. You know, you have, you have the ocean, you have the sun, the sand, um, just so much beauty to surround yourself with. And it's a, a body, mind, soul approach. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It truly is. It truly is. Um, I would like to talk about our agenda and talk about my wonderful speaker staff that I'm just, uh, I was so thrilled to work with, you know, um, mm-hmm. go ahead, launch right into that. Starting off with our, our keynote speaker, Jeff Borgoff, who is living confidently with Alzheimer's disease. And, um, Jeff is very inspirational and empowering. And actually that was the title of his keynote, embracing change and living confidently with Alzheimer's disease. It was wonderful to hear from Jeff and he was joined by his care partner and his lovely wife, Kim, during the cruise. And it was so great to have them on board and to hear from him. We also had uh, Loretta Anderson. She discussed, she's a scientist and a brain researcher. She discussed research and lifestyle interventions for dementia and the aging brain. And, you know, we talked about with knowledge being power. Um, actually, Loretta, who goes by Lori, she's just about to start her, her PhD and we're all very happy for her. So we'll be hearing a lot more from her in the future. But, you know, it's there's, a, there's so much confusion around these topics and every day there seems to be a new study coming out, you know, as you, as you know so well and you, you pop online and there's one and there's another and a lot of confusion around, a lot of confusion around that. So Lori's very well respected in her field and um, she's an expert on aging and Alzheimer's disease. And uh, 
she's, it was, it was really great to hear from her. She offered us a lot of knowledge and, um, discussion about diet, how it affects the brain and so many other things. So that was, that was absolutely wonderful. I've talked to people who are like, my dad did everything right. He exercised, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke. You know, he, he ate right and did slept really great. And he still got Alzheimer's. And I, this one gal that was talking, I poked my nose in cause she was talking to somebody else. And I said, it's not necessarily that those things didn't work. It's very likely that all of that good living mm-hmm. postponed the worst parts of the disease for years. Yeah. Because I've talked to people who, a friend of mine in our cycling group, her mom was very healthy, cycled, did all kinds of great things. And she still had memory loss at the end of her life. Mm-hmm. She also had 10 kids. So I don't know about the stress level might have been a little bit high, yeah. you know, but it's yeah. like, it could be like my mom has younger onset Alzheimer's, yeah. or I guess they call it early onset. Mm-hmm. One of the two, I forget which one it is now. That's okay. <laughs> and... um you never know. And I, my dad was a crappy eater. Uh, he was very happy with a fried hamburger patty, mashed potatoes, and either corn or peas. He would have eaten that every night of his life if she let him. And she also drank two liters of Diet Coke every day wow. for my entire life. Well, she doesn't now. Mm-hmm. I think she probably went through serious withdrawal without knowing it when we moved her into the memory residence because they don't serve soda. No, I didn't think so. Um, and I don't drink soda. So, you know, it's... I know there's been a, you know, there seems like there was a lot of scientific stuff and then they've, I guess, because they can't figure out what's causing it, they've pivoted to lifestyle, which is, I think is important. Mm -hmm. Um, I am very, I am very structured about my gym and cycling workouts every morning, except Sundays. Mm -hmm. I I don't let very much interrupt that. And if I do, by the end of the day, it's like, I feel either stressed or depressed or just a negative feeling. And it's like, what's wrong with me? Oh yeah. I didn't go out on my bike this morning or I didn't go to the gym. Oh yeah. (laughs) So there's definitely a mind body connection between exercise and feeling more positive. Yes. It's all connected. And that's what, those are some of the things, you know, that Lori Anderson touched on. She talked about sleep. She talked about diet, you know, and as a, a brain researcher, it was so wonderful to have her with us. And like I said, she's about to start her PhD um, you know, she already has her, her MS from John Hopkins. And so more good things to come from Lori, but it's a topic we could talk about for days on end. And, um, it's so important and people are waking up to all of this now. It's great that you mentioned that. And so you're, what you're saying is that nothing, you try not to let anything come between you and the exercise. Is that what you're Exactly. Yeah, that's, I think probably half of my clients probably think, that I'm a super serious bum because I don't do anything until quote unquote after lunch in California, which for you is like late afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's cause like this morning I went out with the group and we went on, it was about a 22 and a half mile bike ride for me this morning. Wow. And then I come home and it depends on, we start earlier in the summer because obviously it's generally hot. Uh-huh. We're very blessed right now. We've had mild mid eighties for about a week. It was very hot over the weekend, but Wednesday and Friday is the days we go out on our bikes and it was beautiful both of these days. And you know, I come home and I shower and dress and eat. Well, sometimes I eat and then shower and dress. And then it's like, 
okay, well now I'm ready to start my day. And it's like one thirty. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, it's, I could go a little earlier on the day as I go to the gym, but like Thursday's class usually is over about 10, 15. So by the time I get home, it's, you know, 10, 30, 10, 40, you know, shower dress. Well, now I might as well eat. And then again, it's 12, 31 o'clock. Wow. <laughs> so like I said, I don't let too much interrupt that, but you know, sometimes a client, you know, it's like, Oh, I really need to come in the morning. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, and I did do last week. Um, I did go to a class instead of in the morning, I went in the evening, which I'm not a really big evening exercise person. And I was very stressed, um, cause of health issues with my husband mm-hmm. and, about two thirds of the way through the class, I literally felt the stress just drain out of my system. I was like, Oh my God, that feels so good. Yeah, see, it's, it is not a myth. It's true. Yes. No. And I was not an exercise person. Um, let me think it was 1998. So I was 32 uh-huh. I was walking along at the 4th of July parade and I literally landed flat on my face. I did not feel myself trip. I don't know what happened. But I scraped up my knee so bad, and it hurt so bad. And I have a high pain threshold, so I should have known that I screwed it up. Uh-huh. But who goes to the doctor for a scraped knee? Uh-huh. And from that point on, I was always overweight as an adult uh-huh. from like 18 on or 16 on. From that point on, if I walked the dogs, it would throb the next day. So instead of walking the dogs every day, it became every other day. And then every three days, because my, and I just, my weight just kept getting worse and worse. So at 250 pounds, a client told me, you have a big family history of diabetes, you're overweight, you're screwed. And family history also is, oh, I'll show you. And it took a long time. It took a lot of perseverance to find what worked. Mm -hmm. And the doctor at the time said, well, you should ride your bike, you know, like 10 minutes a day. It'll help your knees. Right. Well, I stood in my garage and looked at my driveway and the street that went up and then the next turn is up. I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening. Um, I actually just retrofitted my road bike with mountain bike gears because to get home, I have to climb a very steep hill and it was horrible. Oh my goodness. And I kept saying, well, if I just take off the weight that I put on while my dad was in the hospital and on hospice and all that stuff that happened in 2017, the hill won't be so bad. But now that I'm almost 53, that isn't happening very easily. So I finally bit the bullet and I have bigger gears. So the hill is not quite as horrible. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but I was not an exercise person and I started doing spin. And then our rotary group does a rotary ride for veterans. So it's a 20, well, it's supposed to be 25 miles. It's actually 28 mile bike ride. It's a fundraiser for veterans with PTSD. Um, there was a local program, well, local in Napa program. Um, it's moved to Martinez, California. And I kept thinking, and I'd be at the spin class going, oh, this is, I wonder if I could, I could, wonder if I could ride my bike in that thing. Yeah, probably not. Well, first of all, I didn't have a bike other than the spin bike when that wouldn't be terribly easy. And it took about two or three years where I finally said, you know what? I think I could do that, but I was afraid to invest the money in a good bike because, you know, who wants to spend money and decide, you know, I really don't like this. Mm -hmm. So my husband and our neighbors and I did a bicycle wine tasting. I don't generally drink. I just had a drink this week. This is the first time in a little bit more than three years. Mm -hmm. So I really don't drink. 
And so I just did the bike ride part and I was on a, a beach cruiser and there was some mild hills. And when we were done, I was like, that was so much fun. I bought us road bikes for Christmas that year. So like two months later, well, that was Christmas of 2012. And here we are in 2019 and yep <laughs> you're still the only negative with the road biking is three years ago I decided to crash very hard on my bike oh, and I broke my collarbones the only bone I've broken in my entire life was very unpleasant it's not something I want to do again oh, but bad. it's a definite I learned something yeah. one bike helmets are ugly they make <laughs> your hair look ugly I cracked my helmet all the way through oh, dear. yeah and I knocked myself out cold I don't remember most of the day, which is a blessing, but it's like, you know, I don't care how ugly those helmets are or what they do to my hair. I can only imagine what I would have done to my brain if I had survived because I hit the ground really hard. Wow. So wear your bike helmets, go out. It's great. Right. You know, riding in the sunshine and the breeze this morning, it just, it made, it just, it helps my mood. Mm -hmm. Sure. I had a really quick, and then we'll go on to your next speaker, but I had a, we had a ton, ton of rain, like 150% of normal rainfall in California, which for those of us that are natives, multi-generational Californians, that's a nightmare. It's great for the water. It's horrible for our mood. And I was walking through the house one day and I literally had this feeling. I'm like, I want to just like sob. I'm just so, what's the matter with me? I'm like, okay, life is enough stress, but there's no reason for wanting to curl up on the floor and sob. I'm like, okay, dogs, we're all going out for a walk. And we did. I have three golden retrievers. They're 11 and a half, two and five, almost five. So walking all three of them is a challenge because they're at different physical levels. But we took a 45 minute walk. When I came home, I'm like, oh, thank God. I don't feel like laying on the floor and sobbing anymore. There you go. The endorphins kicked in and you felt better. I think I needed the outdoor sunshine. Sure. Because yeah. this was, I think, in March. And, you know, normally by then we're walking out every night with the neighbors and you're having socialization and, uh-huh. and exercise and the fresh air and the light. Uh-huh. And thanks to all that rain, yeah. we'd all been locked up in the gym in the house, no natural light and, yeah. you know, fresh breezes or any of that stuff. So it was like, I, I'm definitely a convert to the exercise. You know, it helps your body, but man, it really helps your mood. It does. And it helps your brain, too. Yes. Yeah. So the science. That's what I, that's what I always tell my friends. You got to get a good night's sleep. It's good for your brain. They always hear me say, you know, they'll say something like, well, I've been learning such and such. Well, that's good for your brain. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I got a really good night's sleep. Well, that's good. It's good for your brain. The sleep is very important too. Yeah. Lori Anderson speaks about that. Yeah. So it's, it's a, a multi-tiered approach and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see a lot more efforts, uh, by many organizations, to, to discuss the importance of brain health and, you know, getting more sleep and eating the right foods and exercise because they're all critically important. All the stuff we don't want to do. <laughs> but you do feel better, as you said. You know, your example is a great example. Yeah, that, that day when I just, I literally walked from one side of the house to the other and it was like, I literally was just like, what is wrong with me? I mean, yes, there's stresses. Life is not perfect, but it's not this bad. And I just looked out the window. And I'm like, we're going out. And it wasn't warm, but, you know, you walk the dogs around. It was like a three-mile around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked up enough. I think it was pleasant enough that 
I ended up having to take off my sweatshirt. I think this was in March because I'm recalling a guest that I spoke to and we had to postpone his talk twice oh, okay. because of the polar vortexes that were happening in the Midwest. Yes. And we started our conversation with, well, thank you for, you know, accommodating his weather issues. And I'm like, well, I won't tell you that I walked the dogs today and had to take off my sweatshirt. <laughs> and he's like, well, it's been nice talking to you. <laughs> I don't want to talk. Yeah, I was like, sorry, there's a reason that Californians pay a lot in property taxes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So after Lisa, so we had Jeff, who's living with Alzheimer's, and Lisa talked about brain health. No, Lori Anderson. Lori Anderson, sorry. Loretta Anderson. Scrambling all the names up in my head again. That's okay. Um, Yes, her name is Loretta Anderson. She she goes by Lori, and um, we had Gene Saunders, the founder of Project Lifesaver. And so he came and he, he talked about the product and we had um, several of our attendees who, who chose to wear the wristband during the cruise. He talked about how it works and the, the history of Project Lifesaver, which he founded in 1998. And so that was certainly interesting. Some of the our attendees did know about it through their, their local sheriff's department and others did not. So it was a great way to let everybody know about that. And um, we also, speaking about finances, which is, it's just huge for um, everyone who is experiencing dementia, the, the impact of all of that. We had with us Daphne Glover Ferrier, who together with her husband have created a film called Spent the Hidden Cost of Dementia. And uh, it's currently in production now, and we were able to see a special director's cut of that film during the cruise. And it's a shining a light on families who are dealing with the impact of this disease, uh, Alzheimer's disease, how it impacts their finances. I mean, it, so it's not just as we know, you know, memory, personality, language. Um, and all those things, you know, it's the costs have skyrocketed. Some estimates put it well over $70,000 a year. And, um, you know, how talking about the big picture, it's, it's not easy. So they have been filming their film really takes it. It's a documentary. So they have expert interviews, they have personal stories and they're really looking at all of this through the lens, it's a public health crisis. We know this. And so they're shedding light on ways that people can cope with the illness and the horrible impact that it has on families and societies. It's a critically important film. So it was wonderful to have Daphne with us on board during the cruise to show that director's cut and talk about the film. And they are still filming it right now. It's a story that needs to be told, you know, and and it's not, it's not something that's fun, <laughs> you know, no. it, it's not, it's not pleasant to talk about just like things like, um, you know, um, long-term care insurance is not fun to talk about life insurance, all of those things, um, end of life issues, but they're, they're very, very important. And so it was, it was wonderful to have Daphne join us. And then from the practical side, we had the dementia Sherpa, the founder of dementia Sherpa, which who is Christy Turner. Christy's a certified dementia practitioner and she's got um, many, many years of experience 
Christy has a great approach. She uses humor and um, her own family history with the disease. And she has a thriving practice. And it was wonderful to hear her approach to help care partners deal with those everyday issues, you know, those everyday behaviors. Some of the things that you may be experiencing now, um, perhaps yourself with your mom, Jennifer, or, you know, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, are experiencing. So, um, you know, her, her mission is to help people who are living with the disease. And she, she does this through um, her wonderful work. And um, it, was, it was great to, to hear that, that practical side. You know, I mean, we have the, the scientific side. People need, need to hear that. But they also need to know, and, and that's what my coaching does, too, you know, my nursing home navigator coaching, there are so many things that come up from day to day and folks need a lot of help with that, you know? So. And we've had issues with not changing clothes and not showering, which is super common. Mm-hmm. Both of those issues are common. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had fixed both. Ah. And now we're back at having that, not the clothing so much, but okay. she just refuses to take showers. Yeah, that's not fun. (laughs) Fortunately, I don't have to deal with it too much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have been working with the caregiver who does do that to give her the tips that I've learned from my support group and the guests that I talked to. Mm -hmm. And a week ago, I conned my mom into the shower and she did fine. And my mom is very prickly might be a good word. She doesn't want, well, first off, she doesn't remember I'm her daughter. So she, she doesn't really want me to help her. And I know this. So I thought, now, how can I handle what needs to be handled, but make it seem like it's something nice with her? And I, I don't know how I did it completely, but I asked her, do you want me to wash your hair? It'll probably feel really nice. Da, 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 da. And then I, I talked about when she used to groom dogs, because I thought it was kind of like a kind of a weird connection between, you know, grooming dogs and grooming, <laughs> washing her hair. And uh-huh. she let me do it. Mm-hmm. And Great. Great. I was, I was so thrilled because the director was talking to one of the med techs and I said, Oh, Hey, I don't mean to interrupt. And she goes, Oh, is there a problem? And I said, no, actually there isn't a problem. I got mom all showered and her hair all washed. So you could tell Kumba she doesn't need to worry about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and, and I do try to share what I've learned with them just because That's great. everybody's so different that what works with mom might not work with the gentleman three doors down. And, sure. and I think I know at least probably 10 or 15% of the families that have loved ones there. Okay. And because I go on a Monday afternoon, I don't generally see a lot of family members cause it's before most people get off work and it's okay. not on the weekend. So Sometimes when I go, I'm the only visitor. So. Uh, okay, sure. So we had, okay, so we have the dementia Sherpa, and then who else was there? Yeah, so, so yeah, um, so it was great getting that, that go-to expert advice for families living with, as we talked about, how to creatively manage those behaviors without medication. So, so that was just excellent advice to hear from Christy. Um, and Marianne Shuko, who you had as your guest, and uh, Marianne is one of the founding members of the Els Authors Group, 
You can find them at ellsauthors.com that they've grown and grown and grown and just recently celebrated their fourth anniversary. They now have six women on their management team who've all been impacted by uh, dementia. And Marianne spoke about how three women came together to create the Els Authors. It's a wonderful story. And um, it's just beautiful to see how they've grown. And um, Marianne, is, is, she's written several novels. One of them, which is called Blue Hydrangeas, an Al Alzheimer's love story, we had, we invited people to read prior to coming on the cruise. So during the cruise, we also had a little book club. And they gathered together um, with Marianne, the author, and chatted about the book. So that was nice. But Marianne's presentation was, um, how three women came together who, you know, never knew any, did not know each other prior and created uh, this beautiful group uh, called Els Authors. Actually, the full title of her, her session is How Three Daughters of Dementia Started Els Authors, a global community of writers sharing their dementia stories. So it was, it was inspiring and empowering to hear that. And... Um, I, I spoke about Gene Saunders and um, he really just reminded folks how Project Lifesaver protects your loved one and provides your family with peace of mind. We talked about the private doc documentary film screening for the film Spent the Hidden Cost of Dementia um, from Daphne Glover Ferrier. So I'm just recapping here. And, um, and then going back to finances, which is huge. Uh, our financial expert for this cruise was Daniel J. Hutcherson. His session was the six domains of financial exploitation, protecting your money and your independence. And this, again, is a critically important topic. We hear about elder abuse. We hear about, um, you know, the, the confusion that comes, especially for families who are not prepared for a crisis in their 80s and 90s. And suddenly the mom or the dad needs to go into assisted living, memory care, long-term care, and the finances are not there. How to pivot over into financial peace of mind, how to, how, how to do that, what do you do? So there's just so many things that come about with all of that. So uh, Danny covered that in his session and it's, um, I don't know if, I'm sure your listeners, this is a topic that's big for them. And you had mentioned when we had chatted previously Previously, you had a gentleman that you had talked to about, was it long-term care insurance? Mm -hmm. I've done one episode on long-term care insurance and Medicare demystified. Yeah. So it's, it's a topic that's not going away. So, you know, um, to hear from Danny, it was just, it was wonderful. And it's, uh, again, you have to arm yourself with that knowledge. You have to just, you have to know what's out there that can help your family and um, you have to safeguard yourself so you're not taken advantage of. And um, it's critically important. And in, in a really beautiful tie-in, too, is that through Danny's experiences with dementia, how it's touched his own family, he was inspired uh, to create a nonprofit called the Klein Center. And um, through that, they supported the Els Authors Inspiration Collection. So we had over 30 books on board with us and the collection was um, specially created just for the folks who cruised with us. So we had all different topics 
from grief to people who were um, all different types of caregivers, all different types of caregiving situations. And as you know, through speaking with Marianne, that Elle's Authors now has grown to well over 200 authors. So it's um, every kind of topic really under the sun. And But um, through the, the help of Elle's Authors and, um, and Danny and myself, we, we sat down and, and put this collection together. And it was beautiful to have those books sail with us. And everyone also went home with, as Marianne told you, the anthology, the volume one of Elle's Authors Anthology, which is a collection of stories. And it was a wonderful bonus. As you know, books are, are magic and they're another way to support people who are on this journey. So it was wonderful to, to, to have that with us. Yeah, she told, it sounded like a fantastic time. And it sounds like you put together just a top shelf experience for everybody with the, the cruising and the knowledge and the excursions because I'm always telling people and if you follow me on social media you'll notice a lot of times I'll say well you know it's like today is Friday you know the fourth of July is coming go out and make memories there's a trainer at my gym she's always saying that go out make some memories and it's like I know with Alzheimer's we lose them but I've also learned with my mom that she she really enjoys certain experiences we go out and watch children we walk in the nature and it just really helps her and I I think I was able to get her in the shower and she allowed me to wash her hair that day because we'd had such a nice afternoon together so what she's remembering intuitively is what she does with me is nice right it's it's fun it's safe she it makes her happy so with me she's getting these happy feelings and so she's a little bit more flexible on the, you know, letting me wash her hair or whatever. And, you know, I think, I think you probably gave everybody that was with you those kind of things to take with them, you know, especially the, the care partners. You know, that's a lovely thing they've learned together. And I think that might, it must have had, had to have alleviated some of the fear that people in the early stages are going through and they got to take home some beautiful books. I read blue hydrangeas. I loved it. Oh, great. Yeah. Marianne, actually she's been on twice. She did the, um, she talked about her family's journey with Alzheimer's and her book and a little bit about all's authors. Great. That was, um, that was a very popular episode. It's called, um, an Alzheimer's love story. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in December that it released. Just um, one of these days, I'll have to write down all the episode numbers so I can relate back to them. And then I, through social media, saw that she'd been on your cruise. And so I sent her a quick email that says, hey, you want to give me an update on what you've been doing right. or what the cruise was like? And she did. And it was it was interesting. And like I said, at the beginning of our talk here, I was excited that she connected me with you. Uh-huh. And you know, we could learn a little bit more of the background and the details, which is, I always find super interesting, but I think it's really important to have the, the happy memories and the knowledge that allows you to kind of move forward in a positive manner. You know, I mean, it might be scary to think, oh my God, I got to take care of all this stuff, this money stuff. And, (laughs) but at least, you know, where you're going, like my dad was good. And I've said this numerous, numerous times on many episodes, he planned very well with the money. Uh-huh. We rented out their home. 
And between that and the Social Security and then a, an infusion monthly from their financial planner from his investments covers mom and her expenses monthly, which are about 6000 bucks. Maybe, yeah, that's about right. And that that doesn't even touch the principal of their house, which they paid off of paid off in June of 2000. So, you know, we're in California, so you guys all know what California home prices are like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even though it's a 49-year-old house, you know, in the suburbs, it's still worth 600,000, maybe more. We just recently had to replace the electrical panel. So, <laughs> by the time my mom is gone and we have to sell the house, uh, you know, it's for my sister and I. Yeah, like I don't think there'll be anything left to fix because we also last fall replaced the um, heating and air conditioning system. <laughs> wow. Yes, fortunately she has the money because uh-huh. the four of us, you know, my sister and I and our husbands, we certainly don't have, you know, two thousand dollars. Let's see, it was fifteen hundred. Yeah, about two thousand dollars for the electrical panel and the drywall to fix that because my dad did some strange jerry rigging. <laughs> my house was built. Uh-huh. Um. But, you know, there was so much we didn't know. You know, my dad assumed she'd come live with me. Well, that wasn't happening. And so I, we, my sister and I had talked about a plan. And then I am, I am, I run on the pessimistic side. One day I sat back and said, okay, here's our plan. What's the worst case scenario? And I started thinking about it. I'm like, nope, I can't live with those worst possible worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. And so I went to... The, um, the memory community that's, there's one that's literally a mile down the hill from my house. And I knew that that one wasn't great, unfortunately for me. Um, but I went to the next one over and it's about 10 miles away and talked to them. And they said, well, you know, we, we can talk about your mom coming here with her dog. And it was like, here, here's money. Take it. <laughs> what do I got to, where do I sign? And then I realized I probably should, persuade my sister over onto this page because I had changed the plan in my head. Uh Um, you know, and she was, she liked the place, but it's like, you know, obviously in assisted living, the dining room is the tables are all set with glass and silverware and actual knives and flowers on the table, fake flowers, but still it's pretty, it's nice. And you go in the memory residence and there's nothing on the tables. Mm, and yeah. she was not thrilled with that. And I said, there's a reason for that. I'm like, first off, you know, it's going to wander away. And, you know, okay. people with memory issues, you know, you can't just leave knives sitting around on the table. I don't care if it's a butter knife. And for the longest time, probably the first year and a half mom was there. She's been there, like I said, 26 months. Uh, okay. Um, there was this lovely woman there. <laughs> She was very sweet. She stole everything. Oh, dear. <laughs> and there was one incident. My mom had been there about six months with her dog. And the dog was extremely obese because my mom constantly stressed that the dog, if the dog's bowl was empty, the dog needed to be fed. Oh, okay. Not good. It's like, you finished your lunch, your plate's empty. Let me give you another sandwich. It's just, you know, you'd weigh 500 pounds. Well, that's kind of where the dog was at and it was causing issues. And so the executive director of the community and the med techs and I put a place, a system in place to feed the dog. The med techs would feed the dog morning and night, just like a normal pet. 
I bought a new bowl. I bought a scoop. You know, I, I gave them the whole rundown on how much food she should be getting, bought, you know, low calorie dog food, <laughs> did everything. Mm-hmm. And so this one evening they were getting ready for dinner. So I was going to leave and I'm literally trying to shove this 30 pound miniature poodle who should weigh about 15 into my mom's room. And here is this gal who is absolutely infuriated that I am stealing her dog. Oh dear! And she grabbed my mom's arm to get my mom to help me or help her prevent me from stealing her dog. And my mom said, it's my dog. And if you touch me one more time, I'm going to knock your block off. Oh, dear. The dog, I don't know what I did with the dog at that point, because I turned around and went, holy Toledo, there's about to be an old lady fight. Oh, no. So I shove my mom out into the courtyard, and she is so mad she's shaking. Oh. And this is the one nice thing about dementia or Alzheimer's. I knew in a couple minutes she'd forget. So I just went on, oh, it's so sad. Her mind is so bad. She thinks Misty's hers. It's like, she doesn't understand, and, and she likes Misty. And I just kept talking about how sad it was that this woman was so pathetic. And then the next thing I know, my mom's like, oh, are they having dinner? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, whew, you know, probably my mom's not going to punch this woman. And, you know, so those are the kind of things that go on in memory care. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, my sister, I don't think she wanted to, you know, it's like her mind knew that's how it had to be, and... And that's where it was best for mom. But in her heart, you know, we want mom to be in, you know, beautiful and comfortable and lovely place. And right, of course, you know, it's so that was hard, you know, navigating all that, cleaning out their house. And there was a lot of, you know, there was a steep learning curve, even. And thankfully, and I've said this a lot, I'm so glad we didn't have to worry about the money because that would have been just 10 times more stressful. Yeah. yeah. My sister and I handle money 100 percent differently. Mm. So that wouldn't have been good either. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> just the, like those are some of the things that um, Danny Hutcherson talked about. And by the way, I don't think I mentioned it. He's a financial gerontologist and a twenty-year Wall Street veteran. And KleinCenter.org, K-L-I-N-E-C-E-N-T-E-R.org is his new organization, his new nonprofit. It's the full name is the Klein Center for Dementia Support and Grandparenting Research. And it's very unique. Your your uh, readers, or, sorry, your listeners, will be interested because it's one of the first resource centers of its kind in the U.S. And they're out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So um, yeah, so these are issues that families face, and what you just illustrated is is common. You may have one family member that thinks about money very differently than the other, and then squabbles and issues grow out of all of that. So um, you know they're not they're not easy things. Jen, I know we don't have a, a lot of time yet left, but I wanted to mention um, just um, one more speaker that I hadn't um, mentioned earlier. His name is Peter Mech, and he did several presentations. P- Peter is a, a writer. He's an Els author. He's spoken around the world. He lost his dad to Alzheimer's. He's written a beautiful book of poetry. He makes poetry come to life. His presentation was Remembrance of Things Present, Making Peace with Dementia. So it's a joy to hear um, Peter. It's not just reciting poetry. He he makes his book come to life in his presentation, and he accompanies it with his beautiful photography. So that was a joy. And it was also great to uh, have him hear from him later on in the week. His Another presentation he did was Remembrance of Things Glacial, My Grandfather and the Ecology of Memory. 
this presentation was accompanied by digitized original slides. Uh, Peter's grandfather uh, actually was a, uh, a traveler and he went out and explored the glaciers of Alaska between 1916 and 1937. So he was really a pioneer explorer and documented all of this on film. So Peter digitized those slides and shared all of those with us. And it was just amazing to see these, um, all of this, um, you know, that he brought with him. And um, it was, it was really interesting to see that on a Caribbean cruise and comparing the glaciers of Alaska with um, just, tying that into what's going on with our climate right now. And it's beautiful that all of this is Peter's grandfather, who's of course since now passed away, documented all of this. He was a pretty well-known uh, explorer that um, of those, uh, those glaciers out in Alaska. So it was, it was a real treat to have all of that with us. And our attendees really enjoyed that as well. And then I talked about resilience strategies that I wished I had known when I was a caregiver. So, I was happy to share the wisdom that I have gained. And I know that in your, in your show now, that's, that's something that you're doing when you speak with every guest. And that's, what's great that you can share with other people, you know, that wisdom, that knowledge, and just really helping folks along the way. I've learned from my years of attending conferences and conventions. And sometimes, you know, you come back and it's like, I need to do a data download because my brain is over, so overflowed with information that I don't even know where to start. But sometimes, you know, you might go to a one-day or a two-day conference and you think, eh, I don't know if this was worth my time or my maybe there's like one tidbit that you get and it's just, it's transformative. And, you know, as a photographer, I've learned like a tidbit for Photoshop that's like, ah, oh, I wish I'd known this years ago, which mm -hmm. makes me... I have one quick photography related question. Were the photographs of the glaciers in color or black and white? Um, he had both. Okay. Cause I, I don't know entirely when color film came around. Um, I do know that it was not until the late sixties, mid sixties that they started using it more regularly, but I don't, didn't know how that tra translated to slide film. Mm -hmm. And most of my listeners know that I'm a portrait photographer. So right. <laughs> it's like, I was very curious about that. <laughs> yeah. Had to, had to satisfy that curiosity there. Sure. Well, yeah. so what is the date? Do you have dates for the 2020 cruise? Yes. March 1st through March 8th. One through 8, 2020. That's just still in year that seems like it should be in the future <laughs> i know but it's coming right up very quickly definitely it's going to be an interesting year next year yes definitely well do you have any like one last tidbit you can leave the listeners with and then i'll let you go because i know you're three hours ahead of me and it's getting late uh -huh. uh, it was such a pleasure to talk with you today and thank you so much for the opportunity um you know i i encourage people to join us to enjoy you know, people who are, are living with dementia and their family members and loved ones to join us on this cruise and to make new memories and to also receive support, education, inspiration, and empowerment. It will, it will be a life-changing experience. And I believe that. Yeah. It, you know, it was for all of us, you know, it, it was for, for myself as the conference producer, it was a, a joy to do this work. And I, 
I, I look forward to continuing it to our next cruise and all the cruises after that. So, you know, they can, folks can contact me at my website and I know you'll have that in the show notes and I'll have a telephone number for people to reach out to me as well. That will be awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time for me and the listeners today, and I'm sure we're going to be talking again in the future. Yes, I'm sure we will. Thank you, and have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. I want to remind you, if you need help right this minute, you have a question you need answered right now, you can contact the Alzheimer's Association 24-7 hotline. Their phone number is 1-800-272-3900. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday.